lot of people are saying, oh, that must be like the youth pastor or something. (laughs) So why am I dressed like this today? I'm dressed like this today because I want to be a visual aid to you about what we're talking about today. We've kind of gone, we, we went through the Chosen series, and I want to talk about the, my absolute favorite exchange in that whole series. It's when Matthew has been watching Jesus and watching all of the things that Jesus has been doing, and Matthew is just becoming amazed. Matthew is realizing that everything he has ever believed has just been wrong. Jesus is the guy. And he's standing in his tax collector booth. And by the way, if, uh, we've talked about this a lot before. People hated tax collectors. Everybody hated the tax collector. The tax collector was like the worst person in society. I got to get my thing over here. So, <clears throat> if I, in case I want to go forward, unless I just want to talk the whole time. Oh, the kids can go to their classes. Absolutely. Unless you want to listen to this. This would be pretty good, too. Um, <clears throat> so Matthew is just in awe about Jesus. And Jesus is seeing Matthew. And you got to throw Peter. What's happening with Peter? Peter hates Matthew. Peter hates everything that Matthew is about. But Peter has decided to follow Jesus. So Peter is with Jesus and they're walking through the town square and they pass Matthew. And Jesus turns around and he looks Matthew in the eyes. And he says what we're going to talk a lot about today. Follow me. And Matthew's like looking around, who, me? (laughs) But Peter, Peter said, You don't know this guy. You don't know what he's done. You're you're choosing the wrong person. Do you even know him? And Jesus says, yeah. And and he says, says, well, don't don't choose Matthew. And he's like, well, Peter, I chose you. And Peter's word were, well, yeah, but that was different. Like somehow, yeah, I was a bad guy, but I was, I'm not that bad. And then Jesus looks at him, and I love what Jesus says. He says, get used to different. Because I want to tell you today, if you are following Jesus, you better be getting used to different. Because if you're following Jesus and nothing has changed in your life, you are not following Jesus. Because Jesus is a very different life than the world has to offer. Jesus looks in the eyes of the Matthew, the people that everybody hates, and he sees somebody that he loves. We're going to talk about what that looks like to get used to different. Because the problem is, is most people never even get used to different because they never even see anything different. This is that, that part that we just talked about. It said he passed by and saw Levi. Levi is Matthew, for those that don't know the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And then Matthew got up and followed him. It was that quick. But I think the church often does a disservice to what it means to follow Jesus. We kind of act like, yeah, you can keep doing your life the way you're doing it, but just 
just grab Jesus and have him follow along. Too many times we've actually made this whole transaction backwards. And we've led people to believe that you can look to Jesus and say, follow me. That is not true. The choice isn't whether or not he is to follow you, it's whether or not you are to follow him. And that's, very different. that's a very different life. That will change things. That will change your reality. Jesus says this. And by the way, every verse that I have today is specifically out of the words, of, out of the mouth of Jesus. Because Jesus is my absolute favorite teacher. Truly, truly, I say to you. And by the way, when he says truly, truly, that means you better stop and listen. <laughs> this one's important. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it will remain alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it. But he who hates his life in this world will keep it into eternal life. And I want, to, I want you to understand when Jesus says the word hate. This isn't somebody that's, oh, I hate my life, I hate my job, and I hate. That's not what he's talking about. When he says hate, that means it's something that you can just discard because there's something better. If you, do, if you cannot just discard your life when you follow him, then you're not ready to follow him because you need to die. That's what it's all about. It, because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you're still the seed, and you don't die, you can't do anything for the kingdom of God. But if you do die, then you become fruitful. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now understand what that's saying. That isn't asking Jesus to follow you so everywhere you go, he goes. We talk about that a lot. Well, Jesus is with you everywhere you go. No, you should be with him everywhere he's going. It's a very, it's a 180 degree difference in reality. Do what Jesus is doing, not ask him to follow what you're doing. This is said a little differently in Luke. Also a little differently in Matthew, but I just have the Luke one up here. And he said to all of them, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself Take up his cross daily and follow me. So that's not you just die once and then you just go. Every single morning you get up and say, Jesus, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? That's taking up your cross daily. That's following him. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? We'll talk about one of those guys today. The choice is yours. The choice has to be made. You can do it. The thing I love about this show is Jesus actually says it as I believe Jesus would have said it. He simply says, follow me as an invitation. It's not forceful. It's not shaming. It's not condemning. It is simply, I have so much more than you have. I want you to follow me and have a life abundantly. So follow me. 
he might add the word please, but he doesn't push it. But the Bible says, and this, again, this is where I think the church sometimes does a disservice, thinking that you can have it both ways, because you can't. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who will enter by it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the only road that leads to life. You have to choose one road or the other. We kind of act like you can kind of be in both and kind of go one way and go the other way. And it just, that's not what Jesus, there were a few people, and we'll talk about one of them that just outright realizes that he can't do it. There are some that says, well, I can't do it right now. Jesus says, if you're ready to give up your life, then follow me. If you're not ready to give up your life, then don't. <laughs> he doesn't push it. He just makes it clear. That's one thing I really like about Jesus. Jesus is very black and white. You're either with me or you're against me. <laughs> no one can serve two masters for either, either he'll hate one and love the other or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and wealth. You know what this verse doesn't say? It doesn't say you can't try. And I will tell you that most people try and try and some people spend their entire life trying to serve both. Those are some of the most miserable people ever to have lived. Because by the way, if you're trying to serve both, you're really only serving one and it's not Jesus. Jesus said, make a choice. It just started all the way back in Moses. Moses said, choose, choose blessing or choose curses. <laughs> it, you have to choose one or the other. Nobody gave an opportunity to choose both. Then Joshua takes over from him and he says, you gotta choose this day who you're gonna serve. Either serve who your forefathers have been serving or serve the almighty God. Up to you, but you gotta choose. Jesus says the same thing when he comes. Choose wealth. And when he says wealth, he's really talking about the world. It can be a wealth of a lot of different things. It might not just be money, and we'll talk about that in a bit. You can choose the world, or you can choose Jesus. If you choose the world, not much will be different. The, the way I, I see it, when people say they chose, you know, that they, and don't get me wrong, you might have said this, and you might have been exactly accurate, you might have said this, and you didn't follow Jesus at all, that I've asked Jesus into my heart. I don't even know what that means. Or I've accepted Jesus into my heart. That's not, even, that's not scriptural. I don't know what that is. I, I've, I've, I've made it okay for Jesus to come in. <laughs> that's not what he asked. He, he, he didn't ask these people, can I follow you? Can I come with you? He asked simply, and he asked a lot of times. You read through the scriptures <laughs> many times, many different people. And it wasn't even really a uh, it wasn't really a request. It was an invitation. Follow me. You got to make a choice. There's, there are pros and cons to both of these choices. I'll tell you that right now. There's a million reasons to choose wealth. 
but they're not a good trade-off. Two life-impacting choices. I want to read these two. This is another thing I love about how they, they put it in, in the show. And he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. They left everything they knew right then and there, just like we see Matthew as a tax collector, left everything right there, left their life, gave up their life that they're currently living to follow Jesus. I like the way they put it in, in the show because even if towards the end of the show, Matthew, Peter is like, yeah, he said we're gonna be fishers of men. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> and that's the way it is when you follow Jesus sometimes. He'll ask you to do stuff that at the moment, you don't even know what that means. <laughs> but you just do it because it's gotta be great because it's Jesus's idea. Very different situation. This is the rich young ruler. Looking at him, Jesus felt love for him and said to him, one thing you lack, go sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Same invitation. But at these words, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. Why? Because the trade-off's not worth it to them. And, and you've probably heard this story before how they, how they used to catch monkeys. I'll put it that way, because they don't catch monkeys. They have a lot better ways to catch monkeys now than they did back in the 40s. But if you ever heard this, the way they'd catch monkeys is they take a gourd and they drill a hole in the gourd that was big enough for the monkey to put his hand into. And they'd weight down the gourd so the monkey couldn't get very far with it because so, it'd be so heavy he couldn't lift. And then inside the gourd, they would put like a nut or a piece of fruit. And what would happen is they would kind of, they'd get away where the monkey couldn't see them, and the monkey would put his hand down into the gourd, he'd grab onto the nut, and he'd try to get loose. But, it's, but the hole wasn't big enough for your hand to get through holding a nut. So he was stuck. So then they would just walk up to him, and they'd put like a leash thing on them, and there they have a monkey. So what was the monkey doing? The monkey could not let go of the nut and get free. He was giving up his freedom to hang on to a nut. That's exactly what we're talking about here. Yeah, the rich young ruler might have thought he had a whole lot more than a nut. But I will tell you, compared to the kingdom of heaven, he had a nut. And I don't know what it is that some of you might be hanging on to. Because when you see that, there's one thing you lack. What did he lack? He lacked the ability to let go. That's what he lacked. There is, Jesus said, there is something you are still hanging on to that you won't let go of, that you need to let go of in order to follow me. In his case, we know it was money. 
you might have something very different. Like I said, it's not just a wealth. I have seen people with a wealth of hatred because of something that's happened to them in their lives. And they can't let go of that. They can't forgive the person. I cannot follow Jesus because I can't let go of the hatred that I have. I've seen people that can't let go of addiction. I've seen people that can't let go of a lot of things. But don't hang on to the nut. Don't trade your life. That's why he says, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his soul? Because again, I will tell you, compared to the kingdom of heaven, the whole world is a nut. <laughs> it's a bad trade-off. But so many people make it. As he said, that the way to life is narrow and few find it. That's very really because few even look for it. Are you there? You don't... And I will tell you, I'll be telling you today how life should be different if you're following Jesus, but I will tell you, you won't be here yet, maybe. You might be at some of these and not others. Jesus doesn't condemn you for that. It's you just gotta be following him. He said, I began a new work in you. I will complete it on the day of Jesus Christ. It's one of those things of God knows that you're not gonna be there day one. Again, through this show, Jesus keeps doing things and they keep second guessing everything Jesus is doing. To fi finally, to one point, Jesus just stops and said, if we're gonna argue about everything that you guys think we ought not be doing, it's gonna be annoying for all of us. And so many times I think that's the same way we are with Jesus. We keep second guessing everything that he wants us to do. And one, one, the one case where they did that, he was gonna go through Samaria because he wanted to see the Samaritan woman. They didn't know that, but nobody goes through Samaria. So they, you know, when he says, you know, if we're gonna argue about this, they said, but Jesus, it's not safe. And Jesus' response to them, well, are you following me for safety? <laughs> That's something else you need to think about. Why are you following Jesus? Is it for safety? Is it for fire insurance for the end of this life? Those are the wrong reasons. You wanna give up your life to him and for him. Don't be this guy. And think about whether or not you are this guy. I can tell you, you might've been somebody that thought you, you accepted Jesus back when you're nine years old, but you realize you're really this guy and there's something you're still holding on to. Let it go. Let go of the nut because it's keeping you from Jesus. So where do you start this path? This is where you start this path. I have a couple of passages. One is Simon Peter specifically. But when Simon Peter saw that, that that is all of a sudden his boat was full of fish because Jesus said, go out and try again. And even though he argued with Jesus, he did what Jesus said and he got a boat full of fish. He fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish which they had just taken. It starts with just knowing that you're, you're a sinner. Understanding that you need Jesus. But the tax collector, I like to kind of throw 
Matthew into this, that Jesus might have been telling this story, thinking about something Matthew did way back when. I don't know. Jesus tells a lot of stories, and I actually think he knows of situations when that actually happened, that he's not just making them up. A tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. You need to go to Jesus at the foot of the cross. Humble, knowing your position. Your position at one time hopefully has changed, maybe it hasn't, was lost. It was lost. You were that seed that had not died. As he put it to Nicodemus, you were only born once and you didn't have a second spiritual birth. These are the people that know that they're sinners and they need Jesus. That's where you got, that's where you got to start this. If you don't start this road there, you're not going to be in the right place. So in following Jesus, what's going to be different? Because I hear this all the time. Oh, yeah, I got baptized and nothing was really changed. Yeah, nothing was all that different. And I think, how can that even be? Because the Bible uses the word repentance. Repentance is a complete 180 degree turnaround. It means you were going this way and now you're going that way. And how you can say, well, I didn't, there really wasn't a difference. <laughs> if there's not a difference between that way and that way, then I don't know how you're walking. Because what's going to be different? Life is going to be different. Pretty much everything, if you follow Jesus, is going to be different. It may not be 100% different day one. Like I said, you grow into following Jesus because what he does and how he does it is beyond us. So we gotta keep following. I love what Mary said in the show. She said, I could watch him my whole life and learn. (laughs) Well, that's what we need to do. We need to watch him our whole life and learn. It's that concept of set your eyes on the author and perfecter of your faith, which is Jesus, and life will change. Life will change in some really mighty ways. And I just have a few up here. By the way, this started with about 47, but I didn't think you wanted to be here till four in the the afternoon, all right? So I had to cut this way down. How your life should change following Jesus. There's a lot more stuff than I'm even covering here. First of all, your perception of greatness should change. Because we live in a culture that has greatness upside down. And it's not just our culture, it's really been mankind from the beginning. Who we think is great is not who the kingdom of heaven thinks is great. (laughs) We need to be thinking like Jesus thinks, not how our culture thinks. A lot of times we're trying to climb a ladder that's getting us farther away from who we need to be. (laughs) Understand that, because if your perception isn't changed in greatness, then you're not following Jesus, you're going a different direction. At this time, his disciples came to Jesus and said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a child to himself and set him before him and said, truly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Not only will you not be great there, (laughs) you won't even be there. Whoever then humbles himself as a child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Humility. 
It's the concept that we see from John the Baptist when he says, I must become lesser so that he can become greater. But Jesus called them to himself. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their great men exercise authority over them. This is our society. This is our culture. This is how the world does things. This is how you probably did them before you knew Jesus. I want to be the boss. <laughs> That's our culture. It's not this way among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give him life up as a ransom for many. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus. <laughs> Not because he's God, because he didn't even consider equality with God something to be grasped, as the Bible says. They didn't even see that as important. What he saw as important is coming to earth and dying on a cross to give you and me the opportunity to enter that kingdom. That's why Jesus, that's what the Bible says. That's why God set Jesus at his right hand because of what he did on the cross. Because he went all the way to the bottom, God put him all the way at the top. And he has authority over all things. That's the way the kingdom of heaven works. That's why I parked so far away from the church because in heaven, I'm going to have a close parking spot. All right? Just so you know. If you ever wonder. That's how God works. So don't be thinking that the greatest is the highest people. Because that is not the kingdom of heaven. The greatest are the people serving. And you want to be the first of those? Those are the slaves. Secondly, you need to have a passion for mercy. Not just, okay, I'll do it if I have to. And certainly not what I hear way too often in the church, I just cannot forgive that person. But let me tell you, if you say I cannot forgive that person, which road are you on? Who are you serving? You are not in any way, shape, or form following Jesus. If there's somebody in your life that you say, I just cannot forgive them. You know what I especially like about that one part where Peter is like, no, don't choose him. <laughs> well, when Peter, when, God, when Jesus is choosing Matthew, you need to look at that show again and you need to see the look on Mary's face. Because Mary, you can just tell, the look on Mary's face that Jesus choosing Matthew is just the coolest thing that she has ever seen. The amazement that Jesus would choose the guy that everybody hates is just so cool. That's a look on her face. And I pray that's the look on your faces. When you see people that would be the least person you would think would ever accept Jesus and you see them following Jesus, I pray that's the look on your face. It is so cool. You gotta have that passion for mercy. 
don't even take into account a wrong suffered, is what the Bible says. Don't even get there where you even hold it against them. Passion for mercy. But go out and learn what this means. I, I, I love this verse because I love the context of this verse. The context of this verse is this is just shortly after Matthew is chosen. And he, Jesus says, follow me. And Matthew says, okay. And Jesus is so excited about this, he has a party at Matthew's house. So they're all with all, Jesus has the opportunity now to, to show himself to a whole bunch of tax collectors. And the Pharisees show up. I don't know if they saw Jesus' car parked out in front. I don't know. I don't even know why they're there. But they show up and they're like, and they're not even going to ask Jesus the question. Jesus is like, like, you know when you're in the room and people are talking this and you're like, yeah, I'm right here. That's the situation. Jesus is right there, but they talk to his disciples. Why, why does your guy sit around a bunch of tax collectors and sinners? They don't ask Jesus, what are you doing? They're like, why does your guy, and Jesus is like, I'm right here in the room. Why would he? And, and, and I love the way they portray it because they said, frankly, we're disappointed that your guy would be with all these people. This is when Jesus says this. Because you know what the Pharisees are? They're people that know the scriptures incredibly well. So Jesus just picks one out and says, go home and read this one and figure out what it means. Because really what he's saying is you don't understand what it even means. Go and learn what this means. You spent your whole life trying to figure out what this means. You need to spend about another 20 minutes. I desire compassion, not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. What is he saying here? He didn't build sacrifice because Jesus has a thing, or God has a thing for sacrifice. Jesus created sacrifice because God has a thing for reconciliation. God has a thing for forgiveness. God has a thing for wanting you and him to be able to be together. Sacrifice was the way to do it because there had to be a payment for sin. He didn't want them to go sacrifice a thousand times. He wanted them to come to him a thousand times. He didn't want them to ever have to sacrifice. He really wanted them to have a relationship. The whole point of sacrifice wasn't because God thought it was a good religious thing to do. It was because God loved the sinners. God loved the people that were separated from him. And God wanted a way to get them back. We know ultimately the big way to get them back was to send his son. So what he's saying is my whole point of being here is to eat with tax collectors and sinners so that I might get to know them, they might get to know me, and they might follow me. My point of being here is not with the righteous people. It's with the sinner. And it wasn't just, I just made that up today. It was God put that in the scriptures that you memorize. You should learn it. And forgive us our sins as we forgive also those, everyone, who is indebted to us. That's the concept. That's how it works. We understand what Jesus did for us. 
and we're openly do that for everybody else. If you want to follow Jesus, you forgive everybody just as he has forgiven you. Get used to different if that's not how your life is right now. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. That's his purpose. How did he do it? He died on the cross. That's how he saved the lost. We should see things differently. You know, the news today is is incredible to me because the way they see things is so utterly wrong, it's, it's sad. Their whole idea of how to fix things is sad. You know what the number one problem in our country is today? Sin. (laughs) The lack of God. Godlessness is the problem with our country today. Godlessness has been the problem since a little past day one when somebody ate a fruit. That's the problem. And until you realize that godlessness is the problem and serving God is the solution, you're just going to eat each other. (laughs) And that's what everybody's doing. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. We need to see things differently because we're in the kingdom of heaven, not in the kingdom of the world. Turning to his disciples, he said privately, because it's just them. Nobody else is seeing the things of God at this point. It's just his disciples. Blessed are the eyes which see these things that you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things that you see. They did not see them or hear the things that you hear and did not hear them. I will tell you the world does not see or hear the things of God. Only people that are following Jesus see and hear the things of God. If you're not following Jesus, it's likely you have never heard or seen the things of God. We see things differently if you're following Jesus. We see the good and the bad. We see the person and the sinner. We see what could be, not necessarily what is. The eye of the lamp. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. If then your eye is clear, then your whole body will be full of light. You know this when you see people. You see people that everything they see is negative. (laughs) It's just like, yeah, I saw this situation and this happened and it is a terrible and that's terrible and this is terrible. That's all they see. They just see things that are bad. You see that in the news today. <laughs> when we talk about things for the most part, there are about 98% things that are bad, but 2% things that are some worse. You know what Jesus says about if your eye is bad? It's kind of the opposite. If your eye is bad, then your, hope, your body is full of darkness. And then he stops for a moment and said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Because you don't even see it. You don't even know that it, that it is. You don't know that you're filled with darkness because you're not seeing what Jesus sees. I love the way that in the show, because 
the reason why I like this show is because they really portray Jesus as I picture Jesus. So whether or not he's that way at all, I don't know. But since it obviously works for me because it's what I think. But he's always looking. And he's always, and, and there's like a smile on his face. And he's seeing good. And what could happen. And what could be. He saw, Ma- he saw Matthew about four or five times before he actually called him. <laughs> we don't see that in the Bible, so we don't know if it happened. But he waited until Matthew was ready. And Matthew was becoming ready. So that's what, you need to have the kind of eye that sees godly things. That sees God in things. Not what the world sees. Also, if you're following Jesus, you should possess a fearless peace. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is when they're out on the water and the storm comes up. Is a storm out on the sea something to worry about? (laughs) You would think, yeah, (laughs) pretty much, because they've seen these storms before and they have people they know that have seen these storms before and didn't get back to shore. They, they, literally, they literally have made the conclusion that they are going to die. So they wake Jesus up. You would think, because a lot of pretty, pretty incredible miracles had happened up until this point, okay? This isn't gonna be Jesus' first miracle. They've seen a lot of miracles, but they don't get, wake Jesus up with the think of maybe he can do something about this. They wake him up basically to say, and it basically says that if you, if you different versions have it a little differently, so you need to read all three. It's like, Jesus, you need to wake up so you can die with us. Because <laughs> dying while you're sleeping is not gonna be a good thing. You need to actually get up here and see what's happening because we're, we're, we're done. And Jesus, Jesus, and I'm gonna paraphrase this because you know, we just basically know Jesus says ye of little faith. But you get this sense on, in one of the versions when you read it, it's like Jesus gets up and like, what's the problem? <laughs> I, I, what, what, what's, what's the problem? Wait, look around Jesus because like the storm and the waves and we're all gonna die. And Jesus said, oh, that, <laughs> boom. That's Jesus. And, and I don't know if you've been, if you've, I don't know if you've walked with Jesus long enough to have this kind of experience. Probably not in a boat. It might be something else. I, I have, I've, I've talked to you before about I had this a situation financially that I'm like, Jesus, I can't, I can't get out of this. There's no hope for me here. Jesus is like, what's the problem? <laughs> And, and he just took care of it. Sometimes he takes care of it, boom, like the water's still. Sometimes it takes a little while. You gotta follow him down the road before he gets you to where he gets you where you need to be. But that's, that's what Jesus is like. You just trust him. And, and he takes you down roads that are amazing. He, he does amazing miracles in daily lives But it, you should have peace. I hear a lot these days, oh, everything's going on, I just can't. It's like, there's, there's not a lot going on right now. There's not that there's always stuff going on. 
okay? Understand, Jesus said don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles of its own. <laughs> it's not like there's not gonna be troubles. The, the, best way, the best way I wanna, I wanna explain this Fearless peace, okay? Because if you're following Jesus, you're living in victory. Understand that, okay? You are living in victory. Even if, even if whatever it is you're worried about takes your life today, you're living in victory. You're, 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 as soon as you started following Jesus, your eternal life started. So no matter when this body decides to quit living, I'm living eternally. If I'm in the storm and he doesn't stop it and the storm takes me down, I'm with him. <laughs> this is, this, it's, the, the, way, the way I like to explain this to people, and if you're not a sports fan, this might not work for you. I don't know. But a lot of times the Seahawks play Sunday morning, okay? You know where I'm typically at Sunday morning? I'm right here. So what Ron and I do every Sunday, even if it's not a, a Sunday morning game, because I don't want to spend three and a half hours of my time watching football, I always tape the football game. Well, the problem with taping a football game is every now and then, one of you excited churchgoers, as, as I'm walking out the door, are, whoo, the Seahawks win. Thank you for that. That was not news I wanted to hear. It was good news, but I wanted to watch it and find out that that's what happened. But that happens every now and then. I already know, I already know who's going to win. But I watched the game anyway. And I will tell you, if Russell Wilson throws an interception and I already heard that they won, how much do I care that Russell Wilson threw an interception? No big deal. If the other team picks up a fumble and runs it for a touchdown, but I already heard when I walked out that door that my team won, how much do I worry about that? I want to tell you that is what living in victory is like. It doesn't mean bad things aren't gonna happen. There might be some ugly plays, but you just don't care because you know that that's not gonna stop what, how the ending is. And I, and, and I hope this doesn't give it away for it. So this, I don't want to give this away to you, but if you read the Bible, it'll give it away. Jesus wins. <laughs> okay? That is for all of you people that told me the Seahawks won. I just want to, uh, ru want to ruin it for you right now. Jesus wins. So if you're following him, guess who else wins? You win. And I don't care what happens in this life. That is true. There can be some pretty miserable things that happen in this life, and there are, because we live in a sinful world. But if you're living in victory, you will have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Because you know Jesus wins, and he's the one you're following. The peace I leave with you. A lot of people get confused with the verse that Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. Okay, I want, to, I want to explain that verse to you because I think it throws a lot of people off. He's saying, I did not come to bring peace between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the world. <laughs> I didn't come to bring peace there. There will be no peace there. They're opposed to each other. They will always be opposed to each other. 
to the point that you might end up not having a relationship with your brother or sister or child if you follow me. Because if they're following the world and you follow me, there will, be, there will not be peace in some of those situations. I did not come to bring peace in that situation. I did not come to bring the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of heaven together. That's the peace he's talking about. I did not come to bring a peace between those two. There will not be. He did come to bring peace to those who follow him. He says it right here, peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as this world gives to you. Why, how does the world give things to you? If you deserve it, the world will give it to you. You don't deserve this. I don't give it to you because you deserve my peace. I give it because I love you, and that's not how the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. I want that to stick in your mind for a second of the things that you've been worrying about. Don't worry because the Father's chosen to give you the kingdom. How, how does what you're worrying about right now compare to the fact that you are inheriting the kingdom of God? For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And that's not talking about your spiritual life. That's not talking about your eternal life. That's specifically about your physical life. Jesus said, don't worry about those things. That's what the world worries about. The, worry, the world worries about what am I gonna eat next? What am I gonna wear? Those are the physical things that are temporary and will go away. Don't worry about your life. And if you don't know where this is found in the Bible, it is right after he says, you cannot serve two masters. That's where this is. He says, so therefore, don't worry about your life. Because if you're worrying about your life, you're serving the wrong master. Live in victory, and you will have a fearless peace that goes through this life in an amazing way. Living free from sin. Now, this doesn't mean that you'll just quit sinning when you follow Jesus. However, he would like you to do that. He told the woman caught in adultery, he says, okay, I don't condemn you, just quit sinning. <laughs> and that's exactly what he would say to you. I don't condemn you, just quit sinning. But as First John tells us, you probably might. <laughs> I don't know, maybe not, but probably might. But Jesus will pick you right back up. He doesn't, he doesn't condemn you. He doesn't push you off to the side. He'll pick you back up, and you just keep following. Don't let that sin take you down. You are only a slave to that sin if you won't let it go. If you let him pick it up and you keep walking, that's not going to affect you. You're free, you're free from that. He made you free from that. Jesus was saying to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, that is going the direction that he is going, the direction that he tells you to go then you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. This word, his word, follow him in your freedom. A lot of people think, this, this, this again, if you look from the world perspective, they think exactly the opposite. If you follow Jesus, you are bound. It's not what the word says. You follow Jesus, you're a lot freer than this world will ever be. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. But then he said, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son of man does. 
remain forever. So if the Son of Man makes you free, then you will be free indeed. Sin is temporary. Get up and keep moving. Sin will be behind you. Keep sin behind you. Get thou behind me, Satan, because I'm looking to Jesus and I'm following Jesus. There's a lot of times that I see in the church where sin takes, especially when you have leaders in the church, sin takes them down and takes them out. That's because the devil convinced them that God doesn't want you anymore. No, Jesus died for that sin before they ever committed it. Jesus went to the cross and got nails in his hands for that sin already. It is forgiven as soon as he picks you up. It's as if it never happened. So you need to do that in your own mind. It's as if it never happened. Keep moving forward. Don't let sin slow you. Don't let sin be your master because Jesus is your master. I will tell you that's another one of those things that holds people, that's another one of those nuts people hang on to. It's a sin that I've committed in my past. God can't possibly ever want to choose me. I think that's where Matthew was. <laughs> he wouldn't ever choose me. That's when he did, he was surprised. There is no sin you will ever commit or ever have committed that will stop you from the mercy of Jesus Christ. Ask Paul, he'll tell you. Being the light of the world. You are in darkness when you're in this world until you follow Jesus, then you're light. Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life. Let your light so shine before men in a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They should see something different in you. Have you ever met somebody and you're like, you're a Christian, aren't you? <laughs> Just because their light shines. Just because of things they do in their life. You're just watching them and you're like, you don't do that on your own. <laughs> That's how people should be. People should see you as something different in this world. We are supposed to shine a light. And as Jesus you know, said, it's like a light on top of a hill. Because we are in a dark world. We have always been in a dark world. I, I really hate when people keep saying, we're in the worst of times. <laughs> There's, it's been bad, Okay. Ask Adam and Eve, it got pretty bad, just all of a sudden. And it's been bad all along. If you follow the world, it's just bad. Sometimes it looks worse than others. Sodom and Gomorrah, you ever read about Sodom and Gomorrah? Even the good people in Sodom and Gomorrah, with the exception of the angels that are visiting, even the good people were really bad, okay? It's a really bad place. So bad that it, that it became the Dead Sea, <laughs> God just pretty much destroyed it and the water just came in. But things, don't think you're in the worst of times. Think you're in the world. Because if you start thinking you're in the worst of times, you, you start writing people off. Our culture, you know, the people, just, there's no hope. Yes, there is hope. His name is Jesus. Start looking things with kingdom eyes. Because you, me, we're the light of the world. You should be experiencing satisfaction. We live in a world that always wants more. Because world, the kingdom of the world never is never satisfied. Give me more, give me more. We have, we have people with like billions. I think we just hit, have one that, that now is a trillionaire. 
where does it stop? Well, you, if you're following Jesus, more shouldn't be a worry to you. Jesus is enough. Ryan talked about this in his meditation today. A couple of things. One is with the woman at the well, whoever drinks this water that I will give him shall never thirst. But water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. You'll never need more. You know, you hear the concept, Jesus is enough. Well, Jesus is more than enough. <laughs> Jesus is everything. There's a song out right now that I like that I, it said, if I lost everything and I'd had you, I would have everything. <laughs> You need to have that concept in life. If you keep wanting more and more and what you have is never enough and never enough, you are not following Jesus. Because if you're following Jesus, you got, you got enough right there in front of you. Jesus is, Jesus is everything. Again, you're living in victory. If, if all of a sudden, you know, if all of a sudden tomorrow I find out my bank accounts have been cleared, by the way, that might happen in our future. Being a Christian is not going to become very popular <laughs> coming up. It's already getting pretty unpopular. The government's becoming more powerful. It might be very well a day that you say, if you say you're a Christian, they just take all your stuff. Should you be worried about that? No. <laughs> Let them take your stuff. Because you need to be discerning the value of the kingdom. Again, that nut thing... We know it's really clear to us that the freedom of the monkeys was not worth the nut, okay? But I'll tell you, there are things that we trade away the kingdom for all of the time. The kingdom is incredibly valuable, and I wanted to, two things. I was talking about this in small group the other day, that you, you very seldom see television commercials on television, and you know why? Because... Their commercial, their television on the commercial can only be as good as your television is. <laughs> so if you've got a lousy television, their television is going to look bad. All right? So the same way it is with trying to explain the kingdom. Because you're trying to explain the kingdom with what we understand with the kingdom of the world. And it's hard to show the two. So Jesus has to complete, all the way through, he says, the kingdom is like this. Because I can't really tell you what it is because you won't get it. But it's like this because you kind of understand this stuff. This is one of those things. Two examples that he gives, comparisons. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid it again. And from the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he goes and buys that field. Because that field has a treasure. What he's saying here? The kingdom of heaven is worth any everything. Okay? Everything that you own, everything you have, everything that you can imagine is not worth a trade-off for the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven, again, is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and went and bought that pearl. So what is he saying here? If you understand the value of heaven, you will understand that everything else is a nut. <laughs> because the kingdom of heaven, is, is it, it does not even compare worthwhile. It is so valuable, you take everything in the world, even the trillionaire has, has a nut <laughs> compared to the kingdom of heaven. 
loving even your enemies. In church, we talk a lot about loving your neighbor. We talk about loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, and those are great things, and to the point that Jesus called them the greatest commandments. But if you wanna follow Jesus, you actually walk past that into something even different. Again, get used to different. Because Jesus said, if you love the people that love you, <laughs> wow, <laughs> that's what everybody does. <laughs> and if you, if you only greet the people that you know and that you like, wow, that's what everybody else does. That's not kingdom of heaven stuff. This becomes kingdom of heaven stuff. But I say to you, who here? Because not everybody's gonna hear this. So you might wanna close your ears because sometimes following Jesus gets a little different. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Well, first I did miss the first part. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer the other to him also. <laughs> This is a little different than Matthew. You know, Matthew just says, turn the other cheek. This one actually says, all right, do that again. <laughs> if it makes you feel good, go for it. Offer the other to him also. Whoever takes away your coat, this isn't takes away it like you loaned it to them. <laughs> this is they stole it from you, Okay. That's the people we're talking. We're talking about enemies. Remember, we are talking about enemies here. Somebody stole your coat. What do you do when somebody steals your coat? Well, of course, you take them to court, and you tell them the cost of your coat, and you get your coat back, right? Not if you're following Jesus. Do not withhold your shirt from him either. Oh, you got my coat? <laughs> here, I'm going to give you my shirt. I want you just for a second. Because we're talking about you getting used to different. What do you think the world would do if you did this? Well, they'd probably think you were nuts. <laughs> but they would certainly take notice. And a lot of people would stop and say, why did you do that? And you say, because I'm following Jesus. Give to everyone who asks you. And whoever takes away what is yours, again, they stole it. Do not demand it back. Treat others in the same way you want to treat them to treat you. What do we call that? We call that the golden rule. You know what Jesus calls that? He calls that a summation of the whole law and the prophets. He also calls the part about loving God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, all your strength and loving your neighbor yourself as a summation. So if you just take those two rules, you know, Jesus says, you know, if you, if you hear, hear my commandments and follow them, or if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Those are really the two. One is to love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Love your neighbors yourself. That's kind of one together. And then just... Treat people like you want to be treated. You do not have to memorize Leviticus. <laughs> All right? You can thank me for that, okay? You do not have to memorize Leviticus. You just simply do those things. 
because I just, I just gave you the cliff notes of the entire Old Testament. Those are the cliff notes. Not for me, that's what Jesus said. You just do that and, and you'll be following me. Again, there's, there was at least twice as many and more that I had to put in here. But I just, I had to stop sooner or later. Give y'all, let y'all go to lunch. What's gonna be different? Your perception of greatness should be different. Your passion for mercy should be different. Your possession, or you possessing fearless peace should be different. Living free from the sin should be different. Being the light of the world, experiencing satisfaction, discerning the value of the kingdom, loving your enemy, even your enemies. That should be how your life is different. Are you gonna hit all of these right on the mark day one? Probably not. I hope you're on that road. I'm hoping people see you as different. Not in an awkward kind of a way, but in a wow kind of a way. In a I see Jesus in you kind of a way. In a conclusion, I just wanted to have a couple of these to leave in your mind as you go. Thomas, another one of his disciples, said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How will we know the way? And this is the famous response from Jesus. He said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. He is, there are a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. You have a lot of directions that you can go, but there is only one, the way. The way that leads to victory, the way that leads to life, and it is Jesus. You can be following a lot of other things, a lot of other people. You're gonna even be following yourself, but you're not gonna get to the Father unless you're following Jesus. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pastures. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Get used to different because it's pretty incredible if you just follow Jesus. Shall we pray? Almighty God, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who did come to seek and to save the lost, which was us. Lord, that while we were yet sinners, he came and he died. Because, Lord, you don't desire the sacrifice. You desire compassion and mercy. You wanted us so desperately to be with you that the sacrifice was worth it. We don't understand that, Lord, how the death of your son could possibly, how we could be in that worth. For, Lord, we are so fall short of it. But, Lord, you loved us that much. Lord, I pray that when Jesus comes to each one of us and adds that invitation to follow me, Lord, I pray that we understand the ramifications that this is a life choice. This is an eternal life choice. Lord, I pray that we are not hanging on to anything that won't let go. I pray that we do set our lives aside. Lord, I pray that we are that like that seed that gets planted in the ground and dies and bears fruit. For Lord, we can do nothing apart from you. We can do anything with you. Lord, we thank you, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.